This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's Bartender Journey Podcast number 117. Thanks for listening. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. We're sponsored by St. Michelle Wine Estates this week, and they are running a cocktail competition at Tales of the Cocktail this year. I've been telling you about it. I hope you entered. The deadline for entries has passed now, but you can go to shakethevine.com to find out more about the contest and more about using wine in cocktails. This week on the show, I speak with Adam Ford, the author of Vermouth, The Revival of the Spirit That Created America's Cocktail Culture. And he's also the owner and producer of Adsby Vermouth. We met at North End Grill. That's a Danny Meyer restaurant. Danny Meyer, you may know, his restaurant group owns many restaurants uh, in, in New York, including the wonderful Gramercy Tavern and Union Square Cafe and and the uh, North End Grill, which is where I met with Adam. And uh, I'm going to talk more about uh, Danny Meyer another time. Uh, he has a great book about hospitality. He's considered the uh, authority on hospitality. And uh, he's the keynote speaker at Tales of the Cocktail this week, this year, by the way. Oh, so I met Adam at the North End Grill, and I uh, brought my little trusty portable audio recorder. It's been trusty in the past, never had trouble with it before. But unfortunately, I go to open the file of our conversation and uh, uh, most of it, uh, the the file is corrupt. And uh, I was very upset about that. And uh, I only have a few minutes of it. But Adam was nice enough to jump on Skype with me and uh, we we did our best to, uh, well, we had another chat. So uh, that, that you'll hear what I saved from the conversation in the uh, restaurant where we had some lovely cocktails and talked a lot about vermouth and then uh then we talk again on skype i just ordered a brand new audio recorder to bring to tales of the cocktail this year haven't received it yet uh but uh, i can't have that happening again <laughs> while i'm while i'm at tales of the cocktail i've got a lot of audio to record while i'm down there and uh, i can't take any chances so i ordered a brand new one and uh if you're interested in that type of thing, I'll put a link up to uh, the new one that I bought on my website, bartenderjourney.net. It allows you to record four tracks at once and uh, do a lot of stuff that the old one didn't. So, uh, yes, besides a cocktail geek, I'm also an audio geek. All right, industry news this week. We're going to talk about cider. And I was just at a uh, little conference. Uh, it was all about small craft uh, distillers and, and uh, brewers and, and wineries. And uh, cider came up a lot. In fact, at the conference there, I met Patty and Casey. They're making awestruck cider here in New York, and uh, they're young entrepreneurs doing a, doing a great job. It's nice to see. They were super cool and uh, fun to hang out with. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting time for cider. According to this article on nightclub.com, that's a uh, John Taffer website, a 50% increase in uh, cider production or cider uh, consumption, I guess, is expected in 2015, and the bulk of which will be in on-premises sales, in other words, bars and restaurants. So, uh, and, and this rise is seen along a wide range of demographics, which is interesting. So everybody's drinking cider, and uh, I enjoy it. You know, uh, it's, it's gluten-free. If you remember last week, I spoke about uh, the issue of gluten-free, um, and uh, I have to eat gluten-free. So uh, instead of going for a beer, which is not gluten-free, I, a lot of times I'll go for a cider, and, uh, and it's delicious, and uh, the good ones are. And, uh, and it's nice to see, you know, in, here in New York, um, a lot of farmers uh, that, that have been struggling um, producing apples, and now, now they're able to parlay that into um, cider production. It's, it's great to see. It's, uh, it's been good for uh, the economy and uh, good for the consumer to have, have choices, something new and different. And not that it's new. <laughs> it's been around forever, but uh, it, it's new to a lot of people. Check it out. Have a cider. 
Hey, right now we're listening to The Voices by Josh Woodward. Tales of the Cocktail is next week. I'll be there Tuesday through Monday, and my schedule is jam-packed. You know, I'm uh, recording uh, a bunch of stuff for Tales of the Cocktail. Uh, They have a Tales 365 program. That's a membership program. And you can find out more about that at Tales365.com. And uh, I produce a a second podcast uh, exclusively for the members of of that. So uh, you might want to check that out. But it's it's cool because I'm going to so many seminars. I have a lot of interviews set up with some really interesting people. And I can't wait. uh, But I have... My schedule is like, I have things overlapping. I mean, it's crazy. I don't know how I'm going to pull it off, to tell you the truth. But uh, I'm going to do my best and uh, record a bunch of stuff. And I'll be happy to share that with you when I get back. Um, Like I said, it's next week. I'm going to try my best to get a uh, second show done this week so I can publish it next week. Or I can post it, I should say, next week uh, while I'm away. I'm not going to guarantee that if you don't hear from me for uh, a couple of weeks. That's the reason I just didn't get a chance to do two shows this week. So uh, anyway, uh, hopefully I'll get it done. But uh, when I get back from from New Orleans, I can't wait to share with you uh, everything that happened. <laughs> it's going to be a wild time and uh, entertaining and uh, educational, I'm sure. The book of the week this week, of course, is Adam Ford's Vermouth, The Revival of the Spirit That Created America's Cocktail Culture. And we talked to Adam a little bit later, well, coming right up in this episode. And uh, it's a great book, a beautiful book, and uh, you'll really enjoy it. Um, it's a really interesting story, the story of Vermouth. So go to bartenderjourney.net and you'll see a link where it'll click you through to Amazon and uh, you can buy a, buy a book by Adam Ford's Vermouth book or uh, any of the books you see up there or some of the bar tools. I'm going to put up uh, some of my favorite bar tools on the website this week and, uh, and click through and, uh, and buy them. And if you, if you go to bartenderjourney.net and click through uh, any of those Amazon links, you'll be helping out the show a little bit. It won't cost you any extra and you can great, get some great books and some cool bar tools. Okay, don't forget to stay tuned until the very end of the podcast for our toast. We toast and share a virtual cocktail together at the end of every episode now. Okay, let's talk to Adam Ford. Actually, we want to order some some stuff. Okay, good. (laughs) Some drinks, anyway. Can we get a uh, glass of the Atsby Amberthorn Vermouth um, just chilled? Chilled Atsby Amberthorn? Uh, and a glass of the armadillo cake as well. Oh, both, yeah. Uh, he make, have, he uh, makes that stuff. Oh, cool. cool, cool. <laughs> Very specific. Makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll have the white Negroni. White Negroni? And I'll have the blood and sand. My pleasure. How was that after Excellent. Thank you. And we can order some other stuff. Because I also, uh, I, I, my favorite is just his 50-50 Manhattan. Mm. With like, I like the t- I like it with the Tuttle Town. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you guys, do you guys carry the Tuttle Town here? You don't. I the think Hudson we do. Well, you had the, I think we had the Hudson. Yeah. You had the Half Moon Gin. Yeah. You should have that. I think we carry the. Oh, we used to because the name sounds very familiar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can definitely double check behind the bar and see. Uh, okay. That's for that's for a later trip. Of course. Of course. <laughs> okay. Thanks. So yeah, I was gonna ask you before I got the book. I was gonna say why vermouth, but you answer that right off the bat. <laughs> First page of the intro. I try not to leave it to the imagination. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, if you want to maybe tell our listeners who haven't read the book a little bit about the story, how, how you got so interested in it. Sure, sure. Um, so as I uh, mentioned and as, as, as you had noted, the story really starts with this trip, this hike that my wife and I took uh-huh. uh, doing the Tour de Mont Blanc uh, several years ago. 
and we, um, you know, it's this 12-day hike, and uh, we were about, I guess, it was about eight, nine days in. We'd been in the woods the entire time, sleeping in these kind of mountain huts, and <laughs> it was a heavy snowfall that year, so there was a lot of, still a lot of snow, and in the woods we get ragged. By the time we get to this town called Cormayor, which is this gorgeous uh, Italian um, ski village. This is mm. in July, obviously, so it's not ski season, but mm -hmm. but it's just got that that, that kind of uh, idyllic uh, feel of a, of a ski village in the summertime. And there's this beautiful square, and we, we get out of the, the woods, and we're able to stay in a hotel. It's right off the trail, <laughs> so you're still hiking, but mm. stay, you know, get a nice hotel room for the first time, get a decent shower, and we go out to the, yeah. to the square to one of the cafes, and we wound up... Um, I ended up trying some vermouth because we were in Italy and uh, that's what other people were drinking and that's what my wife uh, was drinking uh, that night and, and insisted that I try some. And she, and she grew up in Italy, right? She's a, well, oh, her, her, mom, her, her mom came over. She's okay. first generation. Right. Um, uh, her mom was born there and, and came over. Uh, and so she grew up um, in a very kind of traditional Italian household and, and grew up drinking it. And you know, she had me try some, and it it, um, it just, you know, it's like one of those kind of experiences, right? And I'm sure, and it was, as I've, you know, I've said this before, it's, it's this experience that just changes my mind, it just blows my mind. And it, right. Right, this yeah. totally different drink, it changes, <laughs> winds up changing. I don't know it at the time. At the time <laughs> yeah, just, right. Just another good, you know, it's just, it's a good drink. <laughs> so, so we had it, and, I come back to the United States, and I figured, oh, I'll go and get some vermouth, like what I had in, in yeah. Italy, you know. <laughs> and uh, it just was not possible. Uh, and it so was what year was this? Uh, so the yeah. the trip is back a um, I forget it's like around 2007. Okay. And, um, and so it's a couple of years, mm. um, I guess three years that I'm kind of just going on with my life. <laughs> uh, holding that experience in my mind, but meanwhile you've got uh, you know the kind of the craft cocktail movement popping up. Yeah. And all these craft distillers are now finally moving right. up. Uh, Tuttletown, um, you know Ralph really and so they, they complete pioneer. <laughs> Ralph, absolutely one of my one of my heroes. Oh, the, right. the, the the work that he did. Uh, to move, you know, to move the needle from, yeah. you know, particularly in our state, which then reverberates. But yeah. you know, to get people thinking about uh, alcohol as, as a, as a, a, you know, kind of a, you know, as a good business, as a, yeah. you know, as a good source a, of, of yeah, income, a viable, business, a viable yeah. business, and something yeah. that should be supported. Right. Um, like I said, there was an issue with the audio recording, unfortunately. Uh, but Adam was nice enough to uh, get on Skype with me and continue the conversation. So here we go. Thank you so much for uh, getting back in touch with me. Technology fails you sometimes, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. It's uh, the, the gift and the curse. Exactly, exactly. Well, we had such a great time uh, talking the other day at uh, at North End Grill. It was it was a fun time. Uh, we had we had some cocktails and great conversation. Unfortunately, our conversation was was lost to uh, to the vapor. Yes. <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun talking with you and uh I, your book is awesome and uh, I really really enjoy it. And you were you were telling me about about the uh, photographer. Yes. Uh, yeah, the, the photography. Uh, also, thank you, uh, you know, for, for your compliment uh, on the book. The writing uh, is is my doing. The uh, the imagery uh, and the photography. I can only take credit for in so much as I was able to find Reka uh, and convince her to uh, to work with me on this project. So the, the all the uh, photographs were taken by this uh, photographer by the name of Reka Niyari, uh, who happens to be. One of the world's, uh, she was just you know voted or nominated or listed as one of the world's most influential 
uh, erotic photographers of our time. Uh, <laughs> when you uh, when you see her uh, her photography, it's it's easy to see why she's really um, she's just got a, a terrific eye. Uh, her photographs are great, and so when we met, I had you know said to her, "Look, I'm writing a book about vermouth, and I've been on this mission for try, you know to try and kind of recreate the image." of vermouth in the minds of, uh, of Americans and, and frankly people from most over the world who for the past couple generations have seen it as a bit of a stuffed cage. And, um, and I said, I, so I want to write this book and I want it to be interesting and it's got to be beautiful. It's got to be gorgeous. It's got to draw people in. And Reka uh, got very excited and uh, immediately jumped on board and uh, we worked together and she, she really pulled together uh, some fantastic imagery. I, I really do think that the the, the photographs of the cocktails, um, I mean, the cocktails that I put in are very different because they're all vermouth yeah. cocktails, which are, um, you know, whether two ounces or two and a half ounces of, of vermouth and, and just a half ounce of spirit, uh, you know, which is uh, taking the way cocktails um, were originally made in, in the 1880s, where, where most of them particularly the Manhattan and the Martini were actually vermouth dominant. Uh, and so we, we use those sorts of cocktails, which are uh, interesting and, and kind of new, at least to um, uh, most people uh, of, of our generation. Um, well, that's for sure. I mean, you see, you know, we, I think I'm trying to uh, elevate people's, uh, you know, cocktail uh, knowledge by giving them a two to one, you know, martini or something, which they're, you know, blown away by. But but you but you're doing the opposite. You're doing two to one uh, vermouth to spirit, which is which is really uh, unexpected, you know. But it's but it's delicious if you if you're dealing with a great vermouth. Yeah, that's well, that's exactly the thing. That's that's exactly what's so amazing about this kind of way of drinking is is if you pick really quality vermouths and, and nowadays, I mean, there's so many um, really excellent vermouths uh, on the market. Um, well, including but, yours, of course, we should mention. <laughs> thank you. Yes, I, I always uh, your present company excluded. I <laughs> but thank you. But uh, but no, you know, there's just a lot of really great vermouths, and and they're all just a little bit different. You know, they don't particularly among the American producers. We don't, um, you know, no, no, everyone is, is trying to kind of stake out their own style and their own flavor profile, and that makes it pretty cool. And so when you do that, you could, you put together some really great cocktails that are based on the vermouth. They're a lot lower proof, obviously, and they're easier to drink. And, and as, you know, I've been going around the country for the past three years, introducing people to this kind of new way of looking at vermouth and a new way of making cocktails, uh, it has not been um, a very difficult sell once they once they taste it. Well, just to backtrack, uh, to talk about cocktails again, you know, your, your book is called Vermouth, The Revival of the Spirit That Created America's Cocktail Culture. And re- really, it's, uh, you know, it's it's kind of lost to history, although being reintroduced now. But, you know, vermouth was really central in, in the cocktail culture culture of America, wasn't it? A com- completely central. You know, uh, uh, David Wondrich, the, the world's foremost cocktail historian, yeah. uh, refers to vermouth, he, he called it the wonder ingredient. And, and the reason why is because before vermouth comes to, uh, you know, uh, U.S. shores, 
in the uh, you know it starts showing up in the 1860s uh, it's definitely there there's obviously a couple bottles I think that predate that but really the 1860s and 70s is, is where you really start to, to see it kind of coming in with some consistency uh, and before that you know there, there were cocktails right there, there were some cocktails out there but they were you know, a lot of times it was kind of a spirit, uh, a, a bitter, and some sugar, uh, maybe some water, right? Um, which is, you know, now referred to as, a, as an old-fashioned. Right. Um, and and that was kind of it. That's that's kind of made a cocktail. And then once vermouth shows up, all of a sudden there is this just explosion of experimentation and creation of cocktails. And before you know it. You know, kind of hundreds, thousands of uh, of new cocktails are being created. Uh, the overwhelming majority of them are um, include vermouth as the the dominant or or very essential ingredient. And, and so, by the time you get to uh, you know world uh, world, it's right before World War Two, when the um, the old Waldorf Astoria cocktail book comes out. Over half, you, you see that over half of every cocktail uh, ever invented, it was a compilation, contained vermouth as an essential ingredient. But what, uh, that leads to so many questions. First of all, vermouth is considered a fortified wine, yeah? Uh, or, or an aromatized fortified wine, Okay. Yes. And But there's others like sherry, for instance, and Madeira, and um, what else? I'm forgetting some others. But I why, know. you know, first of all, why is vermouth the one used in cocktails more than others? I mean, we see we're seeing sherry come into cocktails somewhat now, but that's not that's not classic. That's not history. And uh, Madeira, you never see in a cocktail. And you know, it's it's just so interesting that vermouth just first of all, it was originally invented to be drunk straight, but then it was became this whole uh, you know it it made its way into cocktails and never came out. So <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think. You know, the answer to that for why vermouth becomes so popular, I mean, I think it's just it, its flavor profile um, is is so distinct and so unusual in, in the inclusion of, of that kind of that bitterness. Um, and, and then along with the sweetness as well, because, you know, um, it was it was mostly sweet vermouth that comes to the United States first. And that gets much more popular uh, than the dry style, which is obviously also sweet, notwithstanding it being referred to as, as, as dry. Mm-hmm. It's a little interesting that vermouth becomes so popular, particularly in uh, in New York City, because as it turns out, New York City didn't even have a very large Italian population, uh, which you would expect, which I, I would have expected, um, you know, for somewhere to vermouth to take off because it's it's being, you know, it's a it's an Italian product at the, at that time period. Right. Yeah. Um, and we'll just mention you're in New York City right now. It's the, since the uh, <laughs> the sirens behind you. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would apologize. <laughs> no, don't apologize. That's life in the big city. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, uh, in, in, in any event, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's an it's an interesting um, part of, of history that that vermouth is the ingredient that winds up, um, you know, kicking off so much inspiration and, and, and so much, co- you know, uh, in, in all of these cocktails. It's really interesting. And now, you know, the, America kind of lost its taste for vermouth in the last, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, you know, but now now it's making a comeback. But it's, you know, it's interesting because, the, you know, in the bar, you'll see that bottle of certain brand of, more, of uh, vermouth, sweet and yep. dry, that always sits in the well and probably has been sitting there for 
months, if not years, and, and should really be in the refrigerator. And uh, people don't want it in their cocktail because it doesn't taste good after. It's, you know, it's not, it wasn't quality to vermouth to begin with, and now it's sitting out for who knows how long. And you can't blame people for not wanting it in their cocktail, unfortunately. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, what I say to a lot of people, um, you know, when, when I hear, which, um, you know, I still get uh, less now, but I still get, you know, I, I don't like vermouth. I don't under, and and I, I usually say, I, I bet you, you know, uh, a wooden nickel that when you are, what you have in your mind is vermouth is actually just vinegar, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, really sour vinegar. Uh, because you're exactly right. That's, you know, most people, I mean, there's a couple of things. One, right after World War II, um, which is really when the interest in vermouth starts to drop off, um, uh, you know, the producers, people start using, I mean, there's a couple things going on. One, you've got World War II and you've got an, an anti-French and an anti-Italian sentiment, uh, which is leading people to kind of to shun uh, products from those countries. Two, just as a practical matter, the, um, the products themselves are actually getting cut off uh, because be, because of the war, and so they can't be um, right. can't be imported in, into the country. And then three, what winds up happening is because there's that you know people start using less and less vermouth in their cocktails. All of the producers uh, wind up starting to reformulate their products to make them more of a mixer uh, and less of a standalone drink. And you start seeing advertisements from companies saying, "Don't use an aperitif vermouth." Uh, in your cocktails, you're doing it all wrong. You should be using a vermouth specifically formulated to be as a, used as a mixer in your martini. And these are actual advertisements that are yeah. going around. So you wind up having, you know, a, a decrease in quality of the product, uh, which then leads to even less and less being used. And then it winds, and then people just forget about how they're supposed, you know, what it's supposed to be treated like uh, that it is a wine and people wind up leaving it out and and then uh, you know it results in people saying oh I, I tasted some vermouth which was nothing more than oxidized wine at that point right uh, and then saying I don't like it and I don't want it in my cocktail and you think of course you don't like it or want it in your cocktail no nobody with a taste bud would right exactly <laughs> but before that in in the 1930s you say vermouth outsold table wine which is uh, crazy to think of that <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, by, by a mile. I mean, uh, the, the numbers, I'm blanking on them right this second, They're, they are in my book, but the numbers of vermouth being sold is so astronomical uh, in the 19... Um, before World War II, right? Before World War II. Uh, it's something along the lines of, you know, enough vermouth for, you know, uh, two martinis... For every you know man, woman, and child in the country, and that's counting you know uh, everyone from age zero to to a hundred. So, right. <laughs> so the people in, in the middle of that uh, you know who are actually still drinking alcohol are drinking quite a bit of uh, of cocktails with vermouth and, and vermouth straight. Right, and then that continues into the 1950s, where you know we think of the Mad Men generation cocktails, happy hour, and uh, but then in the 60s. Things start to go downhill, right? As the as the uh, generations start to rebel against their their parents' generation. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And this part was really kind of fascinating as I, as I got in um, to this part of the research. I mean, it was it was all fascinating, but I really liked trying to figure out what's happening. You know, that for vermouth to have such a precipitous fall. I mean, because you really don't see that with any other you know spirits. Get popular or not popular. All right. 
but for it to be to put for it, it to just be, dropped off a cliff, right? Just like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, like there's really no other spirit that has the, this history. And again, I think there's there's a confluence of a of events that are going on in, in the fifties, and and you know you, you've got these these post war era, you've got this um, you know the the migration out of the cities into the suburbs. Uh, obviously, a lot of that is uh, very well depicted in in the series Mad Men, um, of people going out to the the suburbs and starting to just wash away their their sorrows with the with stronger and stronger cocktails and getting drunk, and and then so you then you have kids. Uh, that a couple things are going on. They're they're seeing um, really the you know what what can happen when alcohol is abused uh, and, it, and it's drank in excess, and, and there's a rebellion against that. And then there's just the kind of the generalized rebellion uh, of the '60s of not trusting anyone over 30 yeah. uh, and not trusting anything that they've done. And because people over 30 were drinking cocktails, uh, it was just not going to happen. It was it was square, not cool. Uh, you know, not not going to do it, and so people just stop drinking cocktails and stop drinking vermouth, and they're, you know, doing uh, smoking uh, pot and doing yeah. LSD and and that other fun stuff. But it's so funny to think that you know people wanted a dry martini because they thought it was stronger. But I mean, it's all booze to begin with. I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, vermouth is alcohol is alcoholic and, and so is the gin or, or vodka. And, yeah. uh, you know, so to, to, so to say they want a dry martini because they think it's stronger. That's, you know, well, yeah, it's a little stronger, but it's all booze. It's all booze. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot of that's in, you know, it's, um, you know, there, you get that from from image, and, and there's uh, you know you start seeing a lot more um, pop culture references to kind of drier martinis, you know. So I think people start kind of picking up on that, you know. It's such uh, a hard sell. I mean, you know, even now, you know, I bartend, and last night I had a I had a lady, you know, I said she ordered a martini, vodka martini, unfortunately, and she says, uh, I, I said, uh, how do you like your martini? Do you like it fairly dry? Or she goes, no, I don't want any of that. Um, uh, I said. Vermont. All she wanted was the uh, the vodka. That's all she wanted, chilled vodka in a martini glass. It's crazy. But you, you said you said in the book uh, for for about thirty years, nobody under thirty five bought a bottle of vermouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, the statistics really bear that out. It's funny. I love the uh, the first recipe in your book. The first cocktail recipe in the book is uh, the vermouth cocktail. Three ounces of sweet or dry vermouth, chilled or on the rocks. Your choice of glassware with an orange or a cherry or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and what's funny, um, you know, uh, when I first sent that to my my editor, they had, they had said about it. What what are you talking? This is not, <laughs> this is not a recipe. What kind of recipe is? But 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 it 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 is. It's so important, right? Because. Um, you know, the idea of telling someone that you can pour three ounces of vermouth into a glass right. and drink it is a really novel concept, right? I mean, yep. uh, and so the idea, you know, the idea behind all of the cocktails, you know, as you know, I kind of break them down. Um, you know, I talk about classic cocktails and modern cocktails, but then I also break them down um, between cocktails that are good at brunch, cocktails that are good, uh, you know, for aperitifs before dinner, cocktails that are good at dinner, co- you know, vermouth cocktails that are good uh, late night, what I refer to as the kind of the after hour vermouth cocktails. And, and so the idea of, of all of these drinks, um, again, is to kind of just 
put out there this idea that you can uh, drink vermouth on its own. It's how it has been drank for, frankly, thousands of years and certainly mm. for, for hundreds uh, once it's commercially produced. Um, and then kind of have it at all different times of the day. So the, you know, the, um, it sounds a little funny uh, the way you describe <laughs> the cocktail. But, the, you know, the other point that I, that I mention, that I talk about um, with that is, you know, when you go back to all of the, um, the original uh, cocktail books, which have now been mined uh, over by uh, all sorts of uh, terrific people who have written a lot of great, great words on, on all of these old books. There's such a, a wealth of information. And, one, and, and I happen to focus on what everyone was saying about the Vermouth cocktail, but when you go back to it, um, you know, the, the only William and, um, uh, you know, kind of all of these uh, guys that have been uh, lionized as great bartenders, they all had their own Vermouth cocktail and they all had their own little twist, little signature on it. Mm hmm. And so the other thing that I was doing when I said, you know, to the cocktails to pour three ounces of any vermouth if you want and then garnish it in any way you want right. Right, with an olive or an orange twist or a lemon twist um, or maybe a dash of absinthe or a dash of orange bitters. It was also hearkening back to, again, when vermouth first comes to the United States and people are getting into it. And bartenders are really, they're doing exactly what I said. They're pouring three ounces of vermouth in a glass and then they're doing a little, um, mm -hmm. you know, adding uh, a little, uh, a little panache to it. So, yeah, so that's, maybe that's, a little whiskey, and then it became the Manhattan. Interesting. That's, that's exactly right. That's wow, exactly right. wow, that's that's a fascinating uh, twist on. Uh, I, I never thought of it that way. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer, and I appreciate your time so much. For, we we need to uh, mention Adsby uh, Vermouth, made in New York, which yep. is amazing, and your your website AdsbyVermouth.com. Wow, that video is uh, something on your website. That's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, it's, it's in the, our, uh, our commercial. That's fantastic. Thank you. Do, should I say something about it? Please, or? please. Yeah, that, uh, the, the video is uh, cool. So, uh, again, I think uh, that was the, the first uh, ever commercial for an American vermouth. Uh, and, and once again, uh, as I kind of said in the beginning about the book, and, and what I did with my product, you know, we didn't talk very much about you know, at speed that yeah. make, but you know, when I was, if you, if you just kind of look at the bottle and, and taste it, you get a sense that it's, it's very different. Um, than any other, um, you know, vermouth on the market in terms of what it looked like, at least at the time that it came out. We're three years in, and so now a lot of people, um, there's now a lot of brands that are kind of going out and doing really kind of cool different things with their labels and their bottles. But but Atsby, you know, it, it, back in, when we launched in 2012, we, we really were one of the first companies to kind of to put the vermouth in a clear bottle and have different color, you know, have the vermouths are, are different uh, hues and colors and the labels are kind of different standards. and. Anyway, so the um, the video is a long wind up to the uh, the video, which I wind up having made. I worked with uh, a film student uh, that graduated from uh, NYU. Hmm. Uh, she actually sought me out. She said she was um, oh, wow. she had found my product online and she loved the website. She said that it what was on my website was in her mind for a commercial that she wanted to make, <laughs> and uh, and I agreed to meet with her. And she shows up. With a forty-five page, you know, PowerPoint presentation on a commercial that she that she wants to make for my vermouth, and she asked me if I was interested. 
she did a fantastic job. It's you know it's a, it's a little racy, yeah. Um, but the the idea behind it, if you kind of notice, the woman that comes in is uh, is you know a, kind of a personification of kind of classical vermouth, and, and then we put her in the modern world in modern New York City. Right. And we we had we had some fun with it, and, and it wound up being nominated. Uh, it was shortlisted for the um, what is it, the AICPA uh, awards, which is the, the the huge kind of advertising mm. uh, awards. We wound up lo- it was it was very shortlisted. We wound up losing uh, to Puma. Oh, okay. Uh, unfortunately, who wound up winning the award? If they which had, I'm sure had ten times the budget, probably. Uh, <laughs> yes, they had a slightly larger uh, you know bank account than I did, and it was a you know it was a soccer commercial. Uh, and this was last summer during World Cup, during the men's World right. Cup. Well, that, I, it's a fantastic video. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, yeah, I, I still, still watch it a couple times a month. <laughs> so you can find that on Atsby Vermouth. So it's A-T-S-B-Y Vermouth.com. Uh, go, go check that out, definitely. Well, Adam, I really appreciate your time talking to me twice. Sorry it worked out this way, but I think uh, it worked out well in the end. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's my my pleasure. I did have a great time with you the other uh, the other night. We may have had one too many drinks. What was the second co- the the last cocktail we had? I forget now. <laughs> uh, we had uh, we did a white we did a white Negroni. Right. We did a blood and sand. Yeah, that blood and sand was awesome. Blood and sand was great. And what was the third? I can't, I, I can't remember. It wasn't it wasn't a classic cocktail. I think it was specific to that to that was restaurant. One, yeah. Oh goodness, what was it? Uh, we had two of them. They were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess is why we can't remember what. They exactly, were. they were great though, and that's a great spot there at uh, the North End Grill. Yeah. Danny Meyer, you can't go wrong. Danny Meyer, he's he's great. Yeah, he's the the keynote speaker down at Tales of the Cocktail. That's year. right. Yeah. And uh, and I plan on running into you down there next week. Absolutely, yes. Uh, we, we, we need to get together for a drink at the, uh, the Carousel Bar or something. Absolutely. All right, well, I'll be in touch, and I thank you again, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate talking to you. Thanks, Adam. All right, be well. I'll be in touch. Bye-bye. That was a great talk. Thanks again to Adam for taking the time to talk to me twice. I went online to the North End Grill's uh, website and brought up their cocktail menu and uh, figured out that 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 last drink that we were talking about, we couldn't remember what it was called. It was called the Scotch Bonnet, which had scotch and uh, vermouth. We asked them to use Adam's Atsby Vermouth and uh, local lavender honey and fresh lemon juice. And uh, that was was delicious. Okay, don't forget to stay tuned for our toasts. Our toast is coming right up. But first, uh, let me just tell you, feel free to get in touch with me for any reason. You can email me at vince.bartender at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at barkeeptips. You can search Facebook for Bartender Journey. And, of course, bartenderjourney.net is the website. And uh, go on there and check out the, uh, the links. There's a resource page. You'll see the link at the top. And uh, you'll see uh, links to the, the books that I talk about and uh, the, some of the tools, the bar tools, and uh, different things that I talk about. And if you go to bartenderjourney.net, and click through any of those links that uh, that'll take you to Amazon, but uh, it helps the show out a little bit. And uh, you know, there's there's expenses uh, incurred uh, producing this show, so uh, anything you can do to offset that would be appreciated. Go uh, go get a great book and uh, something cool, and uh, you'll be helping out the show at the same time. It doesn't cost you any extra to do that. Our toast is coming right up, but I would like to ask you if you would be so kind to go to iTunes and search for Bartender Journey. You can leave uh, ratings and reviews. Ratings, five stars being the most. 
That's the most you can give. Give as many as you like, but five is the most. And uh, if you leave a quick little review, I really appreciate it. Sometimes I get emails from you guys, and I, I love he- hearing from you uh, via email. And uh, you say nice things, and I appreciate it. If you could just say the same thing on iTunes, it really helps out the show quite a lot. Did I mention the song that we're listening to yet? It's called In My Pocket by Jazzar. Okay, here's our toast. Here's to the gal from St. Paul who wore a newspaper gown to the ball. The paper caught fire and burnt her entire front page sports section and all. Cheers. We'll see you next time on Bartender Journey. (laughs) 